Let's pray. God, we thank you for another opportunity to dive into your word. We thank you for its richness. We thank you that it, each and every time we interact with it, that, that your word still speaks to us, Lord. And I confess that while I need you every hour, in this moment I need you like I've never needed you before. I ask that the folly of my heart and my mind might not overshadow the power of your word, that, that we might not leave here the same as when we enter this moment. I ask that we might look a little bit more like your son, Jesus Christ, because it is by that name that we pray in confidence. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, uh, people of God, I am excited to share this moment with you. And without much further ado, I ask that you would join me in Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight, I'm gonna be beginning at the fourth verse today. I'm starting at the fourth verse today of Acts chapter eight. I'm coming out of the New Living Translation on this morning, so uh, the phrasing might be a little bit different from whatever copy of God's Word you're carrying, but I can assure you that the heart and the message is the same. So Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 4, reads, But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. A man named Simon, who had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone, from the least to the greatest, often spoke of him as the Great One, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time, he had astounded them with his magic. But now, the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then, Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. And for the next few moments, I want to talk through this text. I don't have a fancy or inspiring title. I just want to pluck a phrase out of that text to tag that text with. Uh, 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 that phrase shows up a couple of times. I want to talk about wherever we go. Wherever we go is, is what I want to talk about for the next few moments. You see, over the past couple of Sundays, Pastor Upton has convinced me and hopefully more than a couple of you, that he's convinced me of our need to remain committed and connected in the middle and in the aftermath of a pandemic that has yielded a church scattered in addition to our traditionally gathered church. From the first four verses of Acts chapter eight, we've learned that the church is not about a building or a geographical location, but an identity. We've recognized that each of us will need to know what moving forward is going to require of us. And we've learned about the vision, the vibe, and the vocation that unifies us, whether we are gathered or scattered. And as we continue through the eighth chapter of Acts, the shape of our discipleship, our walk has followers of the risen Jesus, whether we're gathered or scattered, begins to take on a more defined form. The story of Philip, one of the original seven deacons, the Bible tells us, and an accomplished evangelist in his own right. 
His story is provided for our consideration. You see, Philip's story is a bit inspiring in that he didn't waste too much time getting down to business. Uh, he saw that the persecution of believers had created a hostile and unsafe environment in Jerusalem, and so he left. But he didn't leave his identity behind in Jerusalem. Uh, he didn't leave his purpose behind in Jerusalem. I don't know what belongings or relationships he may have left behind in Jerusalem, but what happens where Philip ends up tells me that he didn't do too much switching up when he got there. Philip remains amazed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus, who was revealed as the Christ. And so he shares the story of the man from Nazareth who traveled the region, healing the sick and casting out demons, even raising the dead. He probably tells them about how Jesus's activities and proclamations caused problems between Jesus and the Jerusalem temple establishment, and eventually even some problems with the magistrates of the Roman Empire who would sentence him to death. He undoubtedly shares that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried in a tomb, and that that tomb would be discovered empty three days later. He shares how Jesus appeared to his disciples and charged them with continuing his work and his ministry before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He may have shared about how Jesus' closest disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and that they began telling the story of Jesus in languages that they didn't even know so that people across cultures might believe the good news. The scriptures tell us that Philip followed Jesus's command to continue his work and that he began healing people and casting out demons. It tells us that people were captivated. But Philip was stepping on somebody else's turf. You see, Samaria belonged to a man named Simon the sorcerer. And the scriptures tell us that Simon had convinced people that he was somebody important. Simon had mastered a magic that amazed people. He did things that they couldn't understand, and so they believed him when he claimed to be a big dog. Simon the sorcerer seems a lot like the influencers of our day. Simon seems like he may have been able to convince a great deal of Ameri I mean Samaritans that he alone could fix all that ailed them. Simon seems like he could have had a few million Twitter and Instagram followers. Uh, with magic like Simon's, I'm sure he could have been a hit on TikTok, a sensation. Simon showed an ability to convince the masses of people to believe things that simply didn't line up with the truth. And so we have a man esteemed as powerful, with the ability to sway people in any direction, whether or not that direction was actually helpful or healthy for them and society at large. But can I let somebody know that regardless of what Simon the Sorcerer had going on, regardless of what the influencers of our day are doing, regardless of what's happening on CNN or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, the gospel transforms wherever it is embodied. If you don't hear anything else I say on today, I need you to hear that. The gospel transforms wherever it is embodied. 
You see, Philip begins by sharing Jesus' story with the very people that Simon the sorcerer has spent years cultivating and captivating. He enacts the ministry of Jesus by casting out demons and restoring the ability to walk to those who'd been paralyzed. He tells them about a man who beat death and shows them a life beyond the only one they've come to know. Acts chapter 8 verse 8 tells us that there was a great joy in the city as a result. There was great joy in the city. The gospel had transformed the people at the bottom. But big dog Simon the sorcerer takes notice. He does some investigating, some poking around, and the Bible tells us that even he could not deny the veracity, the validity, the truthfulness, and the power of which Philip spoke. And so, Simon the sorcerer was baptized along with many of the same people he'd once amazed with his magic. The gospel had transformed an influencer. The question I got, the question I need answers to is how? Maybe y'all got the same questions I do. You asking some mighty fine questions right now. How does the life the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth packed such a punch among people who weren't even there to witness it. With the limited time I have left, I want to point out like three observations I got of how this story of Jesus transforms wherever it goes. Three observations and then I'm done. The first observation is that this story of Jesus captivates those who would hear it. You see, people are natural truth seekers that many people have accepted different realities as true for them speaks to our desire to hear, to discover, to cling to that which rings true for us. That's why we got two, three different versions of what's actually true just floating out there. You, you got to pick a team nowadays. I don't know what's happening. We're, we're truth seekers. It's the only logical explanation I can come up with. At one point, the people of Samaria were captivated by Simon the sorcerer and the intrinsic power that he claimed to possess. They said that is what power looks like. That is the power of God, what Simon the sorcerer has going on. Uh, a part of our responsibility is those who have found salvation in the finished work of Jesus Christ is to share that story with whoever would hear it because people are looking for truth. Believe me, people are seeking the truth. Philip tells the story with words and he shows the story with actions. In fact, Jesus himself said not to believe a word that he said unless he carried out the works of the Father. If our proclamation is not supported by our actions, if what we say is not supported by what we do, then we have failed. If our proclamation, what we say, is not supported by our actions, what we do, then we have failed failed. But Philip shows us that when our actions support the words we speak, people accept our word, our story, our testimony, our, our story of Jesus as true, and they are captivated by it. But it's not the only thing that I see happening right here, because the story of Jesus, this gospel doesn't just captivate people. The gospel casts out barriers to abundant life. The gospel cast out barriers to the fullness of life. The words and the actions that Philip shares here, uh, they give his testimony credibility and their words that overcome death and its forces. He spoke of a man who was raised from the dead and then he performed works that breathed 
new life into people. People who had resigned themselves to lives without working limbs found themselves walking again. People who had grown used to their bodies being occupied by evil powers found themselves free from the shackles that bound them physically and spiritually. And as the people of Samaria found themselves beyond these obstacles that had once kept them in place and away from the fullness of life, Simon the sorcerer finds out the limits of whatever power and influence he'd grown accustomed to. The gospel had cast out the barriers to abundant life. Because the, the gospel, this story of Jesus had captivated so many people, because it had cast out all of these barriers to abundant life, the fullness of life that Jesus has called us to, the gospel, the story of Jesus changes the perspective of those who receive it. You see, while the people who had heard Philip's testimony celebrated, Simon the sorcerer wondered. The people heard the message and began to see a life without the forces that held them back in mind, in body and in spirit. And Simon the sorcerer witnessed people who were once been amazed by his influence he witnessed them amazed by something else, a power that he couldn't even conjure up. The people were no longer captivated by his magic. His follower count began to drop. Simon couldn't win re-election, and all of the commissions that he called failed to find any evidence of voter fraud. So Simon had no choice but to accept what Philip was saying as true. And so Simon the sorcerer was baptized with the rest of them. It didn't too much matter that Philip was no longer with the believers gathered in Jerusalem because he took the truth with him wherever he went. You see, the truth doesn't have a zip code or an area code. The truth doesn't have an IP address or a screen name. The truth is a person. And when we share the truth, people can't help but move a little different. People who had been living without the truth began to see brighter days. People who had been pretending to see the truth had to find a new vocation when the truth showed up. It didn't matter if they were in the pew staring at the pulpit or if they were in their house watching YouTube, the gospel still transformed. Whether you are sharing the gospel in the streets or you're sharing the gospel in the tweets, the gospel still transforms. It doesn't matter if you think of yourself as a follower or you think of yourself as a leader, the gospel still transforms. Whatever power you think you lack is found in Jesus. Whatever power you think you have pales in comparison to Jesus. The power to repurpose and renew is not bound by a location or a method of delivery even, but it is found wherever Jesus has a witness. It is not bound by the number of butts and seats on Sundays or the number of people on the Zoom call, but it is found wherever there are ears to hear or eyes to see Jesus' story embodied. Jesus has given us the power to influence even the influencers by power of show hand tell because when people are captivated by his story your barriers 
are cast away and outlooks are changed. When we carry Jesus with us, everything is transformed. If the story of Jesus colors in our thoughts and our actions, it doesn't matter if we are members of the gathered church or the scattered church. The King of Kings will show up on the scene and politicians have to get up out the king's seats. Uh, social media influencers have to give the king's followers back. Simon the sorcerer is gonna have to find a new gimmick because the truth always wins in the end. Whether or not you think ministry can happen in Samaria, the gospel says the truth is wherever it is. Where Whether or not you think church can happen online, Jesus says he's still turning lives around. If by the power of the Holy Spirit we carry Jesus in our words and our actions, then the kingdom has arrived wherever we go. Let me pray with you. What a mighty and amazing God you are. A God we call Emmanuel because you are with us. You walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. You prepare tables before us, even in the presence of our enemies. You're such an amazing and a mighty God. And Lord, we declare that right now, we are trusting you even beyond where we can see. We thank you for giving us your son. Not just for his sacrifice on Calvary, but for the story that we carry with us that captivates that cast out all of the barriers between us and the abundant life that you have called us to, that changes our perspective so that we can see new possibilities. And Lord, we ask that right now, you might give us power to carry that story with us, whether we are gathered in the same building or whether we are scattered around and convening online and whatever other methods you have blessed us with, Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see your activity right here in this day and age because of your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would encourage us to keep on keeping on and pressing through. In the name of Jesus, we pray amen and amen. I love each and every single one of y'all. Keep on keeping on. Hold on to that story of Jesus because if you hold on to it, it's going to transform wherever we go.